Good morning and welcome back to Rinkwise, the premier hockey podcast in New England produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. We're so fortunate again to be joined by the one and only, our very own Evan Miranovsky, uh, the editor of the New England Hockey Journal, my wonderful co-worker here, back again on set. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Yeah, we were. It's funny. We were talking before we came on and, and uh, we were saying how last time we did a podcast or two podcasts together, we did uh, men's and women's college hockey and our predictions and our an- analysis looks pretty good early this year for college. So maybe people can ex- expect the same for boys prep. I mean, maybe this is this is what's going to be. We've just we're we're so good at predicting things. Maybe we should, or we should have just retired, or we should have said, you know what, we're we're ending on a high note. That's it. We're we're just gonna stop right here, but we're gonna continue on. Well, listen, I think we got a long way to go before that, <laughs> but I think I think you're right. I think we had a great college hockey preview before, and of course now we're gonna deliver the prep school preview and. I think we actually need to come up with a cool name, though, for our duo. Yes, I agree. I don't know if listeners have a good name for us doing this together. Send it in. DM me or something on Twitter. But we got to come up with something. You mentioned it to me before. I couldn't think of something quick enough so we could, like, throw it out there for, for the boys prep preview. You know, we'll come up with something at some point. It'll be interesting. It'll we'll be have good. to pull the audience. Maybe we'll have, we'll have Yaz <laughs> open up the phone lines. For be us. worth the wait. The phone lines would be very interesting just for names. But yeah, it's worth the wait for, for a good name for, for us doing podcasts together. So without further ado, so as we said, this is a prep school preview, which is just around the corner in terms of games starting up. And college preview was almost dead on in terms of some of the assessments of the teams and and that certainly hasn't disappointed that's been a really exciting ride so far with the college scene so let's jump into the prep scene so give us your thoughts you know, I know we have Cushing kind of at the top of our list and we just recently had head coach Paul Pearl in here for a podcast so if you haven't listened to that one yet it was a really good one so make sure you tune into that so give us your thoughts Evan let's get started well it's funny so I mean it's again I think for this year it's fun for me because as you guys all know, I'm new to this job, so I'm kind of acclimating to the boys and girls prep scene. And this obviously is the boys prep episode, but it's really fun to dive in. I've talked to a lot of these coaches and I've talked to and, and gotten to know their teams a good amount in these last couple of months. And I was really fortunate to when we were putting together this upcoming magazine, which you should all go out and get. It's very good. It's my first one that I'm actually like doing stuff for. So it's very fun. But I believe it's very good, and it's all prep previews for boys and girls. And I was sitting with Josh Cummins, Mike Z, and uh, Jeff Cox also contributed to this as well. We did our top 10 for the season for prep, and that's kind of how we're, I think we're going to do this episode. We're going to go team by team in that top 10. We'll talk about some other teams as well. But Cushing, it's interesting. Cushing's our number one team preseason. And Cushing's an interesting group because I was really fortunate to get to, to go out there. We did a photo shoot. They're on the cover of the magazine like that's coming, or, or maybe it's out when you're listening to this. Um, and what was really interesting about them is they're stacked. <laughs> they're stacked. And they've got a really good team. And I think they have a group there. I mean, Paul Pearl, last episode, he's very day-by-day coach. He does a really good job of that. He did a really good job of that at Holy Cross and BU and Harvard when he was an assistant. And obviously at Holy Cross, he was the head coach. But the players there are very, very focused on... They were in the Elite Eight last year, but they lost to Avon 6 nothing. In, uh, in the quarterfinals. And I think that left sort of a bad taste in their mouth, as any 6 nothing loss would leave a bad taste in anybody's mouth. But, I mean, Ethan Gardula, Landon Resendez, Zach Rizzo, Ryan Philbrick, Tyler Russo is a very exciting prospect on defense. So, I mean, I think they just have, they have depth. 
Cushing has depth. I think last year, Billy Norcross up front was tremendous for them, really important. But I think they just, they have depth now. And I think they have a team that we believe is the number one team heading into the year. Who knows? Maybe that changes. There are a lot of good teams in this top 10. I think there's a lot of you know, teams can fluctuate, but I think Cushing is is our strong preseason number one. Yeah, and lots of really great selections, I think, that can fall into the Elite Eight. And as we know, when you get to that level, the games are just going to be so good and so competitive. And as you mentioned, with Coach Paul Pearl recently on the show, great person, obviously just a wonderful coach and an extensive hockey background. And he really kind of got that team moving again, got them back in the elite eight. And it seems like just constant progress since he's been in charge. And as you said, just so many returning and just such a deep squad, they really have uh, a threat. They possess a threat in every aspect on the team on defense, goaltending forward. Yeah. What's interesting with Pearl. And I, I find this really cool. Me personally, I'm coming into the prep scene from covering NHL, covering college. So you see it from that angle. You don't, I'd never experienced, I mean, I played in high school, obviously, but I'd never experienced the recruiting in prep hockey. And Pearl's an interesting case, and there are other coaches that come from college to prep school, where normally Pearl was used to recruiting kids from from prep schools and from this age group, but now he's on the other side of it. I find that cool. Like, you, like you're just you, you jump to the whole other side. Like now you're kind of preparing kids to be recruited rather than actually <laughs> recruiting the kids. And I mean, again, Gardula's going to UConn. Resendez is a really strong BC commit. Ryan Philbrick's headed to UNH. I think there are going to be a lot more kids on that roster that get um, that get college commitments at some point this year. Zach Rizzo's a strong candidate. A senior defenseman out of Georgia, from Georgia, and I was talking to him before the season, and he was like, "Look, this is last year was my first real year. People could see me up here. Like before, I was playing in Atlanta and 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 kind of playing around. Now he's this is his second full year up here, or it's his third. The first was COVID year, so it didn't really count. So again, I mean, I think they have a roster where guys are going to be looked at. I think scouts from college are going to be looking at them. Also, Gardula is NHL draft eligible. He was on the um, NHL Central scouting." preseason list so I mean again they're an exciting team I believe they also got new jerseys which is pretty cool I'm always a big fan of the the new unis uh, so but no I mean I really I think that that's an interesting team and again as I said before and I think people listening are probably like Cushing's not number one I have them in. I think they're the three team I think this team's number one like it changes it's, it's gonna change but to us I, they're the preseason number one yeah and it's certainly it's it's also a long haul too the the season most of these teams are playing close to 30 games and from start to finish, there's a lot that can happen throughout a season. And I think it's a great analysis to start with because they certainly have what appears to be all the pieces in place. And it'll be, I think, really exciting to see how that comes into fruition as the season goes on. And of course, Cushing, just such a rich history of hockey, both with the men and the women. I mean, they've just go back years of producing great college professional athletes, Olympians. So just really such a, a great, rich history with that school. Yeah, it's a lot of these schools coming that we're going to talk about coming up have the same kind of thing where like, I, I haven't been to like Kimball Union or Salisbury or Avon Old Farms, who we're going to get to in a bit. I've been to Cushing now and seeing the, the alumni stuff all over the wall and they have a room, I believe it's called the Pody Room after Tom Pody. And it's diff, you know, different uh, jerseys are hung up and, and things like that. So it's cool to see. And I think it's cool for players as well to be able to look around and be like, oh, like, 
good NHL players have been here. Like, all right, I, I have a chance. Maybe I have a chance. And I think that's a really cool thing. And a lot of schools have that. This is not just Cushing. I'm not, this is not just Cushing. That's just the one, that's one of the ones I saw. But yeah, I mean, it's, they have a rich history. And Paul Pearl's into his second year here, kind of steering that ship. And so I think it's going to be an interesting year for them. I'm excited to see what they do. And I, ho- I, I mean, for my own sake, because I've picked them number one, you hope that that prediction stays on so you can look really smart like we did with college. But I do think that they're going to be a very good team this year. Well, I think so, Evan. I think our, my money's on you in terms <laughs> oh, of the geez, prediction in, in terms of doing your research. <laughs> oh, and, boy. Jeez, uh, that's pretty cool, though, and having a, a room named after you. We made it big in the, the coaching hockey world, right? So one, one can aspire. Yes. Yeah, imagine having a room named after you. That'd be cool. Or like even like a rink. Like I see like people have the name on rinks. I'm like, oh, it's like, if I had a rink named after me, I'd be there every day. Like, oh, this is, this is my rink. Oh, the rink's named after me. You know that? Like, I, I think that's cool. So let's move down our list a little bit. So we have some of our, call them usual suspects, I think, on the list yeah. that are sort of seem to be the recurring and consistently in the Elite Eight and producing and consistent teams every year. So let's move on to Cushing. And Kimball Union is interesting because they, they do have a lot of young talent. Yeah, Kimball Union, strong group. They lost to Salisbury in the Elite Eight semis last year. Tim Whitehead, actually, obviously, long time, very good coach at Kimball Union. Said probably they're the youngest team he's had since he's been there. Again, they're a young team, but they're one of those teams that's always in it. And that's a lot of these teams, like, you know, we'll get to Salisbury in a bit. Salisbury's also very young. A lot of these teams turn over talent quickly, but they're very good at getting acclimated to winning. I mean, 29-3-1 last year for Kimball Union over in the Lakes region. They won the Lakes region championship. I mean, again, they it just goes back to they're always good. <laughs> they're always good. And Dan Haru and Nat is outstanding. And there's just a lot of guys on that roster who kind of, prov- they just have depth. Even if they're young, they're just deep teams. And also, I mean, a lot of these schools like Kimball Union and Salisbury will get to an Avon, like, they don't have trouble getting kids to come to their school. And I think that benefits in a lot of ways, as you'll see with Salisbury in a second, where, like, they just are good at getting talented. I mean, it's nothing new. They're, they're good at it, and they're always going to be in the mix. It just comes down to it. It's kind of like a heavyweight fight with all those teams trying to get through the Elite Eight. Salisbury successfully did it last year. Andrew Will has done it at Salisbury for, for as long as he's been there many times. Tim Whitehead's in the mix with Kimball Union and John Gardner with Avon. And, like, they're always just knocking each other out. And I think with Kimball Union, it's the same thing. And that's why, like, yeah, they're a young team, but I fully expect them to be number two, very in the mix this year. And generally that that tends to happen when you are consistently winning and consistently good. The the recurring talent and, and young, fresh, new talent sort of takes care of itself. And I think you just said it best. I mean, these are all heavyweights, and I think that's that's what makes the postseason just so exciting. And when you get to that Elite Eight tournament, I mean, it's just all big-time heavyweights <laughs> and just great hockey. And that's why last year, I think going back to Cushing, I know we're spending a lot of time with Cushing as we should, but you know, Cushing last year, I think for them, not they weren't new to the Elite Eight, but I don't know if they were fully amongst that group that's always in it. And they were, I think, I believe they were the seven seed last year. So I think it was kind of like for those guys, for all those kids that were on the team, it was kind of their first experience in the Elite. It was Paul Pearl's first experience in the Elite. It was his first year coaching. So I think 
once you start to get more experience that elite eight, I, it's a hockey cliche, but more experience typically means a little more success. You probably noticed these with your team, Stephanie, like you, you are in it more like you probably saw this at Austin prep with you guys in the, in the MIAA, like you get more experience and suddenly you're in the mix. And that I feel like for Kimball union and Salisbury and, and Avon, like that is how it goes. For sure. And when you go from the regular season to the postseason, as they say, often there's two different seasons and your regular season and the postseason. And it does absolutely take a while to get acclimated to the postseason run. I mean, look at look at the NHL when you get to those final postseason rounds. I mean, the hockey is so good oh. <laughs> and it just like it's it's so fast and there's just so much on the line. So it's just like a different ball game, so to speak. So it, it absolutely takes a, a type of a culture to get acclimated to that. And I think it's, it's only, it only comes with experience. At Kimball Union, they do have a lot of young talent, but they have big players like Jackson Kirikostas committed, Division One. Yep. have some really good returners. So, so that should be, I think, a really interesting dynamic to look at this year yeah and even like going down to Salisbury with Salisbury at three I mean again like it's hard to ever count out Andrew Will and that group like that's a really strong team Andrew Will's a coach I've gotten been really fortunate to talk to a fair amount before the season starts and I mean again just a smart hockey mind good at managing people like just good at building a culture and they've done it successfully down there and they lost 16 players (laughs) <laughs> that's a lot that is a lot i thought i thought 12 was a lot with us yeah this year, but i mean 16, 16 is players like an that's entire like a, team it's an entire team basically it's almost an entire team but they have a lot of like like i have my eyes on liam kilfoyle i wrote about him for the website and he's a guy who people are very high on liam kilfoyle i was with mount last year like terrific player put up absurd numbers with the mount 14 team he's been playing up with the buffalo regals and he's a guy i think a lot of people should kind of have on their radar. Very, just a very good forward, and he produces. Just always finds ways to produce. And he's been doing that even playing up at with the 16 level with the Regals. Another one's Anthony Biakopatuka. Really big, strong defenseman. Going to be on the younger side with Salisbury. But again, like I mentioned this with Kimball Union. It goes for Salisbury, Avon. It goes for a lot of these teams. They have these, you know, these coaches that have been there a while, and they get people into the culture very quickly. So, I mean, I don't expect them, I don't expect Salisbury to have trouble with being a younger team, even if they struggle a little bit at the outset. Like, I think they're eventually going to find their footing. I mean, they won the whole thing last year. So, again, Salisbury, you just, these teams, and it's, we can't say enough, you can't count them out. That's the problem. You can't count these teams out. And I think even though some of these teams are young, a lot of the teams lower in the top 10 are also young, it's just hard to count them out. I think Salisbury fits that bill perfectly. Yeah, and I think we expect a lot of nail-biter games when we get to towards the end and you know, certainly the, the playoffs. And even uh, Not to interrupt you, but even during the season, like a lot of coaches I've talked to have said, like, and we'll get in the ISL coaches I've talked to a lot, and, and we'll get to some ISL teams at the, at the end of this. And a lot of them have said a lot of these games are like one-goal games. That's the tough part is, like, I remember talking to Paul Canada over at Milton Academy, and he was he was like, Look, there were a lot of times last year when we just lost a bunch of one goal games in a row. Like if one bounce went a different way, we are in, we are in much higher in, in our in our conference. And so, I just look at a lot of these games, and they're close. And even looking through, like in in writing previews for the magazine, like looking at teams last year and seeing, oh, 
they went you know, like seven and fourteen or whatever. You're like, oh, it didn't do that great. And then you're looking at the games you're like, oh, four to three loss, five to four loss, one nothing loss, five to three. Loss. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, they they were that close. I think all these teams are close, and it, it goes especially at the top of the rankings. Yeah, and I think it's a good example of just how competitive the field is and how deep it is. So even just besides this list that we're reading off of, I mean, all those one-goal games, it just shows the depth, I think, of the league. And I know with just some of the recent guests that we've had in here, I've always been super impressed with the New England Prep School League. But I think now kind of being in it firsthand and seeing kind of behind the scenes, I mean, I personally am just so impressed with the level and all the programs and just how they how these programs are run. So it's, in my opinion, it's essentially almost like a miniature version of a college program. That's the impression I get. And I'm not in it like you are. I mean, I've seen a lot of these places. I've been fortunate to go on to have some coaches take me around their, their, their arena and their, their facilities. And it's great, but you're in it. And it's, it always, it does fascinate me. I'm like, I'm like, wait, this is a college. Like the, and, and again, I, just to people who are listening who are longtime prep school fans or have kids in prep school or who were in prep school, you probably think, well, obviously, Evan. But, like, to me, it was new. I mean, it, it just looked – it was very college-like, and you see it. And I think in, in, in our girls' preview episode, we'll kind of get deeper into that of, like, just kind of what you're seeing, which I'm very interested to hear about. And you should, you people should listen to that when it comes out. Absolutely. People should listen to me. Of course. <laughs> yes. Who couldn't? But, Who couldn't? Um, but no, and no question. I mean, it's, it's essentially like uh, little, little college hockey factories that are just producing all these great players and just such high level coaches. And we keep talking about Paul Pearl, but I mean, someone with that much experience on the college side and I would say that a lot about a lot of these these head coaches and both on the men's and the women's side, they could easily be coaching at the college level or even professional level. And again, it's just it's a very, very impressive setup and lineup. Yeah, and even like like John Gardner and Avon's been there for a long time. And I mean, they were you know, very successful last year. They're our number four team. And you got guys like Joe Connor who go to Northeastern really, I think people are very high on Joe Connor as they should. Very important to Avon's offense and even Nick Capasso. Like, I, I just, I, I think th- they even, they brought in some other Division One commits in Hudson Miller and Ryan Flaherty. And I just think, like, that's a team as well that is going to be in the mix. John Gardner's teams are usually in the mix. And so, and Mikey Monroe's another interesting one. He was actually New England Hockey Journal's top freshman in Massachusetts high school hockey last season. So, I, again, I look at, Avon, they've got some really strong guys coming in. They have some strong returners. They are in that upper echelon. I mean, the top, when you have a top 10, typically it's rare that the number one team is far and away the number one team. In this case, Cushing is the number one team, but they are not like far and away better than everybody else. I kind of look at Avon, Salisbury, Cushing, and, um, and Kimball Union kind of all in the same grouping, which is a huge compliment for Cushing. <laughs> it's a big thing to be in with those teams. But again, they kind of all just compete with each other, and I think you'll see that a lot this year. Definitely all in the mix, as we like to say. In the mix, Stephanie, which, we love, <laughs> as you said, we like to say it. Hey, we're, we're full of just, like, these great sayings. And, oh, yes, and in the just... mix. Who doesn't say in the mix? I think we came up with that ourselves. No one else has ever said in the mix before. I think it's original, I, an original statement. <laughs> I think we'll have to 
maybe add it into our cool <laughs> title or, or show name when we come up with that. I'll write that. We're replacing yeah. rinkwash in the mix. Definitely. Big make, hockey term. <laughs> make a note. Yeah. And yeah, I think like the, the days of teams just running away with, with games and things are, are long gone. And by that, I mean, all these teams on any given day, they play each other. They're all going to be super close games. Maybe an exception here and there, but you know, again, the days of teams just running away five, six, nothing. I, I personally, I think those are becoming far and far and fewer between. And it's just because all these teams are just so good and so competitive now, which is great. Cause I, I think if you're a fan of the team that wins nine, nothing, it's great. But if you're just watching the game, it is as boring as it gets watching a team just wipe the floor. With and none of these teams are going to do that with like anybody, because again, everyone's close. I mean, like, Look, you look at Brunswick, like number five team on our on our poll. Like they were a team that was in the large school finals last year. Good group, good returning group. I mean, again, they returned five forwards who scored twenty nine or more points last season. Like that is very good. And they've senior captains James Shannon and Yale bound Eli Friedman, who both had forty points last year. One guy I'm I'm looking at a lot with Brunswick is Drew De La Sala. So funny story, not funny story really, but interesting stuff. I edit. Obviously, like all the stories that come in for New England Hockey Journal. And Jeff Cox is out scouting kids and writing up reports on different kids who are impressing her in the fall season. I have probably read Drew, De- I feel like I've read Drew, Drew De La Sella's name like a hundred times on those reports. So I feel like I already know him very well from reading Jeff. But yeah, I mean, going to Harvard, like they have a very good team. And I expect them to be in the Elite Eight. I expect them to compete. I expect them to, I, I hold them to a similar standard as I hold the four teams that we've already mentioned in the top four. Like, they should be in it. And I mean, they get, they have a good one-two tandem in net with Brendan Hollihan and Will Baker. And I just think, like, that's another thing I think is interesting. You know, there's so many great goalies in prep hockey. Like, there's so many good goalie prospects. And I always find it interesting when a team has one and they just ride them. Or they have two, and they're playing with both. And how do you, what if one kid's really, really good and the other's just okay, or just doing okay? They're really good, but they're just not producing at the level they should be. And it's always interesting to see coaches kind of handle that. Because that's, as as a coach, Stephanie, like, that can't be easy to have to sit there and and pick a goalie. I I can sit here and analyze and say, oh, I can't believe you did that, Stephanie, but you're the one making the decision. So I always find that very interesting when teams have two goalies and that the could be could be starters. Yeah, there's different ways to look at that for sure, and it's it's some coaches and probably in the back of their mind, they might not say it out loud, but it's a great problem to have because it just means you're even that much deeper in that position. But it definitely is hard. Like there's there's no coach on the planet that enjoys not playing a kid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just it's just how it is. Like it's no matter what they say, like none of us enjoy not having somebody out on the ice or having to make those, those decisions, but it just, it just goes with the territory. And, but I, I think with, with the, uh, the goalies, I mean, one thing that does help make the decision at times easier is if there's a difference in the age of the goalie. So for example, if you have like a veteran senior versus a freshman, I mean, that's, that's easy. That decision kind of just takes care of itself, but it, it is definitely a challenge in a lot of ways. If you have kids that are of similar ability, a similar class, 
But again, on the other hand, it just means that you're also that much deeper in that position. So it's it's a good problem to have. Oh, it's a great problem to have. But I'm always because some teams even with two seniors, and I'm like, oh, that's a tough one. Like that's tough one. Yep. that is not easy. And these are not the days of youth hockey when like my youth hockey teams that have two really good goalies, so they play half the game, and <laughs> you can't do that anymore. Stakes but, are a little higher for sure. A little bit, a little bit. No, I I just I find Brunswick interesting. I mean, again, like. They say it's the oldest, deepest, and most experienced team that they've had take the ice in recent years, and I just, I look at that, and I think the expectations are very high. I think number five overall is a good place for them to be, just given that, again, last year they were, I believe, in the large school tournament. They That's right. They definitely yep. were. Yep, they were yep. They were number one, actually, in the uh, in the large school tournament. So, I mean, again, as I said, I just, I have high expectations. I have high expectations for all of these teams. <laughs> New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Everyone knows getting hockey skates sharpened can be a hassle. Make it easier by sharpening your skates with the Sparks Sharpener. The Sparks Sharpener is safe, easy to use, and will save you time and money. It only costs about a dollar a sharpening, and you get an accurate, consistent sharpening every single time. Head over to SparksHockey.com and use the promo code RinkWise at checkout to save $50. That's sparkshockey.com with the promo code RINKWISE and save $50. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Listen, everyone. I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code BANDO30OFF to get a 30% discount. That's bando-performance.com with the code BANDO30OFF and see your performance improve immediately. You're in the top 10. Naturally, the expectation is very high, but I think for a team like Brunswick with returners and seniors galore, like I think next year when we're sitting here doing the preview, we're going to say, Brunswick lost so many people because it's that kind of team where there's just so much on that group. 
Yeah, large school finalist last year, and uh, we are anticipating they will probably raise the bar even higher this year. Yeah, I would expect Elite Eight for them. I mean, if things go the way their roster is constructed, I would expect them to be in the Elite Elite Eight. Another team, I expect the Elite Eight, Dexter. Dexter at number Next six. Next on our list, yeah. Dexter Southfield. Yep. Uh, that was a place I've been fortunate enough. It's it's local to me, kind of. So I actually got to go over there. A shout out to Will Ortiz, by the way, who's an assistant coach over there. He was my high school hockey coach. And he no has way. Been, he's moved up to Dexter. He's doing a great job over there. He was an awesome coach at Framingham. I love him. Maybe but, we'll have to call him to get some stories oh, back in the day. I don't know if we need those stories. But he was great. He is awesome. And he's at Dexter with Dan Donato, who's obviously a longtime legendary head coach. And they were nice enough. I wasn't, they were nice enough to show me around. It was one of my first places I got to go and see. And Dexter is a good place and they have high expectations. I mean, again, they lost to Salisbury in the quarters of the Elite Eight last year, but I don't want to say lucky, but they did get kind of lucky because Sean Cohane decided to return. John Cohane could have went to the USHL. He's a Harvard commit. Really good defenseman. I watched him this weekend, uh, this past weekend, from when we're recording in the uh, in the state in the state finals for the Cape Cod Whalers. And big, really solid two way defenseman. Donato was saying to me, like, look, Cohane could have went to the USHL, and in the USHL, he he'd probably kill penalties and he'd get some D zone starts. He'd play, he'd play a good amount, but he might not get as many reps in other places as he might need for his development so for instance like at Dexter he's going to run the power play he is going to be a primary penalty killer he's going to eat a lot of five on five minutes like there are going to be a lot of things he does that in the USHL just because of his age and experience he just might not do as much of as he will in prep and he's and 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 they're expecting a lot out of him and they should I mean he again like he easily could be in the USHL right now he's big he's got the build he's got a wicked shot <laughs> I mean like the other night watching him shoot the puck it was like geez like oh my like that's a that's a college level shot and obviously Harvard believes he's a college player he is another one I'd watch on that roster is Nate Porter Nate Porter was unbelievable in the fall. I believe he was at a point-per-game pace. I don't know if he ended that way, but I know late in the season he was still on a point-per-game pace. Was scoring a lot of goals. Really good, stable center. Follows just good away from the puck. Good hockey sense. Like I've watched him a fair amount this fall. Again, they're, they're, local, they're local guys. And he's been terrific. Cullen Emery's another one. He scored actually the game. For the, for the U18 Tier 1 Junior Eagles to win the state championship in the third. And so they have a good team. And I think their thing is, their strength is defense. I know Porter and Emery, I mentioned, are both forwards. But at the end of the day, like their strength is on D. Liam O'Keefe and they have Paul D'Alessio and Nett, who's outstanding. And so their, their strength is their own end. I think up front, I remember Donato saying to me, we don't have a a Ryan Donato type player. We don't have someone who's going to go out there and put 50 points up, but it's going to be interesting because kids are going to have to step up, and my guess would be Porter and Emery would be the, the ones to really pitch in on the scoring. Yeah, a lot, lot returning there and a lot lot to work with. Oh, yeah. Building I mean, on that success from last year. Yeah, and again, Dexter is always good. Like, Dexter, it's not like they just, like, popped up and were good. They've been good for a long time, and I think with that group, they are going to be hard to play against in their own end, but I think it's really going to come down to who is producing offensively. And that's all, I mean, it's tough because not every team can be like Brunswick that we just mentioned where they kind of have everything. Dexter is growing up front. But again, as I said, it's, it's, it's fun. And it's fun for the coaching staff, it has to be. You can probably relate to this where like you get to say, hey, maybe we don't have 
this lethal goal scorer anymore. But at the same time, I get to kind of develop talent. Like, that's going to be pretty cool. Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. And every every year, I will say as a coach, like, no matter how long you've been doing it, every single year you step on the ice, it's a different year. And it's Mm -hmm. a different group of kids. And you find, I think it's a fun challenge as a coach. If you, you may not have that kid who's going to get 50 goals a season, but honestly, who does? They're, (laughs) they're, (laughs) they're, um, they're hard to come by and occasionally you you have them, but you know, it's about finding the right combinations and lines, finding the right chemistry. And I think to your point, it's your practices, it's developing those kids and, uh, you know, where you start with that first practice or that first game of the season, you're a completely different team come the end, playing your best hockey where you want to be. And that's that's a great I mean, this is why this is why we do it. It's a fun challenge and honestly it's just it's awesome. It's the awesome part of coaching. And it is, and it, and I think that's a really cool thing. And I think there are gonna be a lot of team there are a lot of teams, whether it be on this list or in prep hockey, obviously, that have areas where you have to develop. We'll get to St. Mark's in a bit later on in this episode. They're in kind of the opposite situation. But first, I mean, number seven on our list, we have Kent. Again, really good season last year. Dale Reinhardt has a good group over there. And I think they won the they won the New England Large School Championship last year. And again, they had, according to Reinhardt, the best defense and goaltending core he's ever had. And he's fortunate because he gets Alex Bales back, who, again, Providence commit, could be an NHL draft pick next summer. Played for the USA in the Five Nations tournament over the summer. I look at him and say, this is a big year for him, obviously. He's a potential draft pick. Saw this last year with like Ben McDonald at Nobles. Like and mentioned it earlier with like Sean Cohane and, and Ethan Gardula. And these kids, as much as I always love people like, oh, I try not to focus on the NHL draft. Now, this might be news to some, but I have never been in contention to be picked in the NHL draft. This might be news. This might be news. So I don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like to be on the list or anything like that, crazily enough. But I would have to imagine if you're on that list, in your mind somewhere during that season is, I better be at my best because I would love to get picked in the NHL draft. I would think that's what you would be thinking. I think with Bales, again, I have not spoken to Bales, so I can't speak for him. But it's a big year. It's a big year for him because he is in, he is in contention for that. and. You even look at, you know, other guys in the roster, like Gio DiGiuliano, like, you know, really good fall for him. And I think that he, this, Kent lost their top six scores from last season. And I think guys like Gio DiGiuliano and Patrick Walsh are going to be heavily counted on to step in and kind of replace some of that scoring. Oh, that's definitely a, a big hit offensively for sure. However, I think just with some of the names that you've mentioned, they certainly have pieces there that can probably replace that hopefully this season yeah and and again like kent is a great program they always kind of have been so i think they are not going to struggle to find that scoring similar to dexter where like you have that good young talent those kids are a year older they're stronger they're more mature a lot of these kids tore up fall hockey which i always find cool because like those kids play at the same age group and they tear it up and i think Okay, like DeJulian did that, and I'm interested to sort of see where it goes this year for them, how it translates to prep hockey, because as I said, I've this is my first year seeing some of these kids like Nate Porter and Gio DeJulian get older, tear up fall hockey, and then how does that translate to prep? And that's a question I've had for a lot of coaches where like you have kids come in who, you know, who, you know, 
crush the 15U level and fall. But then they're hit with 18-year-old kids in prep hockey, and suddenly it's not, you know, there isn't as much time and space out there on the ice. And I, I'm really curious for a lot of these kids who are who are top fall prospects, how does that translate, especially like a Liam Kilfoy we mentioned earlier with Salisbury, like how does that translate to playing against kids who are not just a year older, but two years and three years older? So I'm really curious for me personally, because again, I, I have, this is my first year covering it full time, um, and I'm interested in it. I like that stuff. Well, and I'm glad that you brought up the off season and playing in the fall in preparation for the prep school seasons, because that is something that I feel like is changing a lot and is has evolved, particularly at the prep school level. And by that, I mean, of course, staying compliant with all the rules that are in place, because there are a lot of rules in place at the prep level. But a lot of these players are getting an opportunity to play together in the off season and essentially train together in preparation for their season. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a great tool and it's a great advantage. And it's, it's also a big part of, I think, how the prep scene is evolving a little bit. So for example, like there are some teams and programs that are basically staying intact as a team, playing somewheres for a particular program, having a different coach, because of course this helps them stay compliant with the rules. Just, they're not, they're not doing anything wrong. So what an advantage that is to essentially train and prepare as a group with your teammates. So like if you could be skating with your projected line mates all fall, that's a that's a big advantage. Huge. You know, instead of just starting in November. Yeah, and I think and that's an interesting thing. One thing I think we're going to talk about and write about and cover and report on throughout the year is and and there was a story that was done back in June on academy versus prep hockey and how academy's evolving and how prep is surviving by not being an academy. And one thing I think that prep school has going for it is you can do those fall hockey leagues for two and a half months where like, again, on, on Sunday, like the, the 18 U junior Eagles team, they had Cullen Emery and Paul Delesio and net. And like, they're playing again. They're all playing together. And they have guys on that roster who are on that same team, even though Cohane was playing against them on the whalers. It's also fun to play against your teammates for the winter and get some bragging rights. But I think the fall hockey circuit gives kids an opportunity who are playing prep hockey to play against A, other academies, play against different kinds of talent, whether they're in prep school or not, but also to develop, as you mentioned, under different coaches and to play a ton of games in September, October, and November, and then take a week off, and then you're into prep season. And suddenly that's a full... So you're playing from September until March, of just hockey. And I think that's a way that prep schools are starting to see, hey, we can match. Academies obviously play from late August on. That's a way we can kind of match it where your prep school season technically is only like end of November to to March. But with fall hockey, it goes much longer. And that's one thing that I'm starting to pick up on and see. Is, and, and I think a lot of kids and a lot of coaches say, like I remember Carl Corzini, which we'll get you in a second from St. Mark's, he loves that other coaches coach his players, because it gives them a different voice. It gives them someone else to develop them. So he's not the only one. They're not just hearing from him and his assistants. They're getting tons of other coaching as well, which you probably, again, you see it on, on the girls' side probably all the time. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's. I, I joke actually, by the end of our season, I think the kids are so sick of hearing me. <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. That they don't, they don't want to see me in the summer and in off season, but absolutely. Like it just, Variety is always, I think, a great thing in any aspect of life, but just having your kids having a different voice on occasion 
so like for example at Austin Prep we have a strong alumni connection so it wouldn't be uncommon at all to have some of our prevalent alumni to come back and go on the ice with the kids and work with them and they love it you know it's 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 a great thing for them to see alumni that have gone on to be successful they know the program they know how we operate and again it just gets them a different voice and i think it's a very interesting topic and i'm sure we can do a future show on that at some <laughs> we point we probably but. will that's the great and again we'll, we're going to have a lot of reporting on that throughout the year and different analysis from different scouts and me and whoever cuz it's a very interesting to follow and i think parents are very invested in you know there are a lot of parents probably listening to this right now and they're saying in their minds, always thinking, what's the best route for my son or daughter? And I think we're always here to try to help you, you know, get the best information. And you Education. are, you see it all the time. You deal with it every day. So it's an interesting thing. But again, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. So stay tuned for that one. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, more, that, that's, a, that's a little preview. It's a little tease for, for, for <laughs> later on down the road. But so at number eight, we have Holderness coming off one of the best seasons in school history. I mean, just an outstanding season. They lost to Kimball Union in the uh, in the Elite Eight quarterfinals, but they're going to be in the mix again this year. Again, they graduated 12 seniors. Not great, obviously, to lose that, but again, they're a team that is always good, and I expect kind of a similar thing. Max Charbonnet and Aiden O'Connell were kind of guys that they relied on for scoring last year. They're also going to be relied on a lot this year, and they're two seniors. So, And the other thing is they have Evan Plunkett. Another Evan. Evans are just everywhere these days. Uh, but a great goaltender last year. He's going to be a strong point for them in net. I think if they're going to want to maintain this ranking and stay up with everybody else, they're going to need those two on offense to kind of produce a lot of the scoring. And they're going to need Plunkett and Net to kind of be one of the best goalies in prep hockey like he can be. So I think Holderness absolutely deserves a spot. They're number eight on our list. Oh, yeah. 20, 24 and three. Not too shabby at all. And no. <laughs> lot. Big, big graduating class with 12 players for sure, but they have a lot of talent returning, a great goaltender in net, and that's that's more than half the battle, starting with in between the pipes, of course. If you're solid there, you can kind of build around that, but they have a lot returning, a lot of new incoming talent, so definitely we expect them to be top of that list again this year. Certainly in it. And then at number nine, we have St. Mark's. I mentioned earlier we had mentioned St. Mark's. This is their, this is where they're getting their mention. Um They are a school that, uh, I was talking to Carl Corzini, Framingham guy as well, and he was saying how this team offensively is as good as he's kind of had in a a long time. Richard Gallant last year was outstanding as a freshman. I think 43 points as a freshman, which is just almost unheard of. He's going to be a huge guy for them up front. You know, you're also going to have like Jimmy Liver, Andrew Gibbons, Austin Borgard. Like they have a really good offensive crew there, and their question is going to be on D. Like, offensively, they're going to be high-flying. They're going to score a ton of goals. They're hoping to play not in their own end a ton. But, you know, again, they lost Michael Fisher on D, who, again, drafted 76th overall in the draft last year. He's now with the Youngstown Fandoms in the USHL. He was unbelievable last year. I believe, I believe he had over 50 points, which, again, as a defenseman, is quite good at the prep level. At any, at any level, but at the prep level for sure. And especially as a defenseman as you said. Yes, like that's that is quite important and I think they're going to have to replace him this year. I mean, they have Calvin Beard um on D and they're going to have to find a way to replace him. I think that's going to be and even in net too, they kind of have a few guys who are contending for the net. I don't think they've settled on one yet. 
but their thing is they're an offensive team. And Corzini likes that. Corzini is an offensive guy, and I think that suits his strengths as a coach, although I think he can handle anything. But I think having this kind of offense at his disposal. And I think the other thing that Corzini mentioned to me that was very interesting is he is really trying to get St. Mark's out of that. Like they were in the, they lost to Pomfret last year in the small school semis, and I believe they were the number one seed in the small school semis. They were. And I think his thing is he wants them to get out of that and into how do we become an Elite Eight contender? And they were last year. But I mean, like, how do you cement yourself in there so you're not on the bubble? You're in there. And I think he believes this group, if if the defense can hold up and if they find the right combination in net, whether that be one person, two person, whatever, he thinks... He wants this team to get into that Elite Eight conversation, and I think they will. Again, offensively, they have it. It just comes down to everything else behind it. Yeah, and I think scoring a couple of those big young kids like Richard Gallant, that really kind of helps you cement yourselves in that elite status. And I've known Richard and the Gallant family for years, very, very close with the family. I feel like I've almost seen the kids grow up. And (laughs) I I remember seeing Richard when they were younger playing like that – 2007 elite team Mm -hmm. they had I mean I used to joke and they were like little machines really like they were just so good and little phenoms and uh, so it's been really fun to to see him grow up over the years and uh, no question he was an elite player years ago when I first saw them and so so no surprise at all that he's so successful at this level. So it'll be really fun to see that program continue to raise the bar and continue to evolve. And I think it's absolutely wise to have them in your elite eight. Yeah, it's also interesting where he ends up picking for a college. I mean, obviously, Division One schools are very interested in him. I think they think he could go anywhere. I mean, a lot of kids who were up around here, obviously, put the Beanpot schools up here, and that's where they want to be. I think Gallant could potentially be different in picking a school that isn't one of those schools. Again, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but I think that they think that he could choose a lot of different places. And I think, again, like, you just look at how good he was last year. You've seen him forever. Like, I just think, like, 43 points in year one, like, kind of scary. Like, what's what's year two going to look like? Like, what, what, what kind of damage are you going to do in year two right. if you were able to just step in and immediately produce like that in year one? So, again... He's obviously the player that everybody's watching from St. Mark's. And again, they're an exciting team. And even like number 10, we have St. Sebastian's. Um, and they're another team that they lost to Belmont Hill, the eventual, they were, they were runners up in the Elite Eight, which by the way, they're not on this list. They were, the, they were kind of the first team off. And just before Belmont Hill, Brian Finney's doing an amazing job over there with Belmont Hill, but they lost a ton of talent. They lost quite a bit from last year's team. And I think that's one team that we looked at and said they could easily jump back in, but given what they had lost, it was very difficult for us to say, all right, well, they're in the top 10. But St. Seb's, one guy I'm watching on St. Seb's is uh, Teddy Mutrin. So Teddy Mutrin is a, was on the, the 16U Junior Eagles team. Really good, stable center and great offensive instincts. In the state championship, he had a goal. They were down a bunch, but you know he skated from low to high and just sniped a wrister from the point right over the goalie's blocker. I mean, it was a really nice goal. And you just see how he plays away from the puck. He had a great year last year, and I think that he's someone that St. Sebs is going to rely on a lot for for scoring, as well as Isaac Mitchell and Matt Cataldo. And I just think 
they have a recipe there that's that's good. But I look at it like Mutrin and uh, I I like what I see. But again, they lost they lost the ISL MVP last year in Brendan Gorman. Um, so again, they are also missing players. But I do think that their junior class plus Teddy Mutrin is going to be really vital for them. Well, we got a lot of heavyweight hitters yeah. on this list. These Evan. teams are good, and that's the thing is that they are they are all very good, and I'm really excited to see kind of how the season goes. And we'll have coverage for you all year, which is really fun. And if, it'll be interesting, Evan. Again, my money's on you. I think these predictions generally tend to pan out, and it'll be awesome to see just another great season of incredible hockey and to see if your predictions really – Work out. Well, maybe at the end of the year, what we can do is once the season is done and all the tournaments are finished, like mid March, we can go back and and listen to this and look at our predictions. Yeah, how close were we? But maybe we can do the same with college. So that's always fun to eat some crow, or you get to kind of pat yourself on the back. We should. I think we should open up a little poll. Maybe ask our audience. Yes, get them involved. Get involved. You you people are you're very you're all very passionate. So show it. I like it. And finally, just for fun, if we had a crystal ball in front of us. What would be our prediction for an Elite Eight championship matchup? For fun. Well, I'm going to stick with Cushing in there. I think they have the group, they have the depth, they have the talent, they have the coaching. I think they are a team that will be in it in the Elite Eight. I'm going to say they're in the Elite Eight final. So I'll put Cushing in there. Second team's tough. I think it is a little difficult, but it's very hard to count out Salisbury. I think Salisbury with Andrew Will at the helm is outstanding. I think they... Even though they're extremely young, I think they are really talented. I think if there's any coach in prep hockey that can get a bunch of younger players to come together for a common goal slash to win a bunch of games, I think Andrew Will can do it. So I have, I'll put Cushing and Salisbury in there, which I don't know if that's really a hot take because it's the number one and three ranked team on my list. It's hard to leave off Brunswick, just given that they have everything and they have high expectations. But I will say Cushing and, and Salisbury will be in the final. Well, there you have it. You heard it here first. Lots of great choices there. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, 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 and it's tough because in this, you leave off really good teams. I mentioned like Belmont Hill didn't get a mention in this or didn't get a spot on this. But again, like the field is open. These teams are really good, but there are other really good teams too that can easily make some noise. Well, there you have it with another in-depth analysis of our prep school hockey preview. Evan, thank you so much for joining us in studio again. Anytime. We will have our women's preview on deck shortly, so make sure you tune in for that. That does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NE Hockey Journal and subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media Production. 